Hey guys, welcome to the debrief after our episode with Polenia, or David, should I say Polynaya? Polynaya. After hearing that, the we'll, we'll maybe we'll get um, Luke to add the video that Polenia sent us uh, to David explain how and yeah, the David Attenborough uh, is like narrated is like Planet Earth type video. Yeah. We'll add it to the end. Probably, it'll probably trigger copyright infraction, but whatever. Um, uh, just because I think that's a funny little tidbit well, is like Polenia sends us like this ten second long clip of like David Attenborough narrating some like bird in in Antarctica and about after we asked how to pronounce your yeah, name exactly exactly yeah and. It, I'm just, it's funny to me that we didn't ask this earlier. Like we've done right. entire episodes right. with Polly Naya where yeah, we said, all the weekly roll-ups. Yeah. And right. they, Polly, Polenia never came back and was like, Polenia. oh, by the way, you should pronounce it this way. Here's right. a video clip. Anyway. The, the, the name Polenia versus Polly Naya makes me feel like they are in from a different part of the world than I previously did. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a Russian word, apparently. Ah, uh, yeah. Is yeah. that what David Attenborough says? I think so. I, I, think I didn't so. look into it much. Okay, yeah. so our first conversation interview with an Anon. Um, how did it go? What did you think about it? It was I mean, a different I process. A I learned yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Um, but tell me about the process. Sure, 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 sure. Um, so, well, well, I'll keep on actually talking about uh, behind the scenes stuff. Uh, there's this uh, one company that we are in talks with, Ryan uh, MetaVoice, that is like the deep fake voices. So Polenia could install like this software into his com their computer and then speak into his computer and then out would come like so that Ryan or I could not hear the original voice, would hear some like, I don't know, British lady or something. In real time. Yeah, and and they are so anon that they didn't even want to do that. Uh, so we had to do the whole like write in a Discord channel for a lot longer of a time than we had originally accounted for. Usually we we uh, accounted for like three hours, I think, for this initial uh, uh, podcast, and then well, that three hours on one day turned into five and a half hours, and then plus two more hours like the second day. Well, and it was different because like so when we're recording a podcast, we pretty much have to focus on the podcast itself at the mm -hmm. time. So you have to be in the present. I know, you know, sometimes David's, you know, going here and there a little bit, a little multitask, yeah. but yeah, most, well, mostly we're present, <laughs> mostly we're present, right? For the entire time. You're going to tell who's the elder millennial between the two of us. Yes. So, so this was like the, um, this was like, we had to kind of multitask because yeah. it was so async. Right. Like, so David and I were on a zoom call and we were talking mm -hmm. and there would be like. I don't know, three to five minutes between Polenia's responses. Yeah. Sometimes longer, depending. You can tell that they were really spending some time thinking about and editing their, their words. And I'm sure Polenia was multitasking too. I'm yeah, sure yeah, this yeah, wasn't right. the yeah. only thing that yeah. they were doing, right? So so um, David and I were in a Zoom and then a new uh, Polenia message would come through and be like, one of us would read it out. And we'd like go right. through it and be like, what, what do you think he means? What should our next right. question be? What do you think? Like, uh, So that's kind of how it, how it went down mm -hmm. behind the scenes. It's foreign to me here's something i don't understand about polenia uh and this is just my like crypto frame of reference is that it's foreign to me that polenia is so involved in this industry and like knowledgeable about this industry and like doesn't care to lean into it any more than that like i actually take a little bit of offense to that it's like Dude, what do you mean, like, like lean into it like as far as values go or as far no, as like, like kind of like socially it's like i i get a ton of just like social value out of this industry. And Polenia is like, you know, wants to keep it more than arm's distance away from him. And I'm like, dude, it's really fun in here. Like come hang out and like take off the mask and chit chat. Well, how do and you know the, how do you know this person's not out there with a different identity doing all of these things? 
I guess they're not receiving the credit for all of their yeah. writing and their reputation yeah. and everything right. else. So that would be kind like, of if they were to show up to a conference, they would just be like an, a normie. I, I I still don't understand. I still don't think I got to the why of why does Polinia do this as an anon? Yeah, you know, I get the idea of like, you come in, you can kind of you know phase out and switch your identity, but like, yeah. um, I mean, I feel like I maybe I don't feel like I could do that switch my identity identity as as easily yeah um, both of our reddit names are our actual names yeah that, <laughs> we, we, that shows we, you yeah right um i don't know I mean, it's like something to do with hobby compartmentalization like it's, he they they make made it seem like they just kind of do this a lot so like they yeah. go from one hobby to one creative output to one creative output and this seems to be like the creative output that they've landed on but it also seems to be like the mo the creative output of all of all the creative things that they've done this is the one that's stuck on him the most which is very yeah. true to crypto um, I, I look it's it's definitely interesting it's not for me i'm so glad the option exists to become an anon yeah. uh and and by the way um this is probably more work than our typical podcast to oh, yeah. put this together yeah and so there aren't a lot of anons who would rise to the level of being like, oh, we have to get this anon on right. the Bankless podcast because right. it probably takes 2x, 3x the work. I can um, name a few. There are probably a few, but I you have to like, as an anon, you have to kind of earn it yeah. is what I'm saying. You can't just spin up an anon oh, account, yeah. Twitter, and just be like, right. hey, I'm an anon now. Do you want to talk? Right. No, like, and Polly Nye has been like earning this reputation over the past two years or more. But on subreddits, building a community, on Twitter, building a community, on personal writing, on Medium, building a community. And it made this individual someone we absolutely had to talk with. Um, let me ask you, David. I know there there's some like uh, tin, tinfoil hat theories that Polenia Paul, and Vitalik are the same person. <laughs> what do you think after going through this uh, conversation with them? We've had both of them on the podcast right. now. So what do you think? Yeah, and I have... I've talked to both of them plenty in various mediums. Vitalik sometimes, you know, actually through a podcast or in person, plenty of never, but like the man, the, a lot of the mannerisms are there and like, but like also at the same time, uh, there's just no way. Like if it, this is a fun thing to speculate on, but the answer is unequivocally, they are not the same person, but like the parallels are extremely interesting. Like the, there's, whenever we reschedule a podcast, like I say, Hey, like, give me, like, give me your email and I'll throw you in, I'll throw your email into the Google calendar invite. So it can show up on your calendar. The only two people that declined that and just decided to remember when the podcast interview was going to happen is Vitalik and Polenia. Those are the only two people that have ever done this. <laughs> well, I'm maybe Polenia did it for anon reasons and Vitalik Perhaps. did it because the, that's how this Vitalik's is, that's brain how works. His brain works. Yeah. I, they're, to me, they're def they're not the same person that just, but they also, at the same time, they could be like brothers or so. like, they're, yeah. they're like kindred spirits. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like they are very similar they, that they, they came from the same tree. So they soon, did. Like, yeah. At first blush, it, it, I could see how you could confuse both of them because they kind of think right. on that level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in my mind, there's no way, there's absolutely no yeah. way that this individual is Vitalik. Both of them are very articulate, very careful with their words. Yes. Um, a polymath through and through, uh, yes. interested in many things. Um, and like Contrarian kind of just takes. like, so, so like not afraid to, to be contrarian, very yeah. not afraid to not be tribal. Yeah. Uh, trying to like always maintain neutrality and legitimacy. 
Like, yeah, the, the, the overlap is significant. Want to also thank our uh, the the voice actor we got to play mm-hmm. Polinia on mm-hmm. this uh, Eureka John from Bank LaSalle. Mm-hmm. and um, I thought that was fun just going through that script recording. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we'd have to re re say things. I I don't know. I found it very hard to make it sound natural for myself. Oh really? So I tried very hard to make it sound natural. Yeah. But um, I'm definitely going to listen to this podcast to see how well right. we pulled it off. And I bet there are parts that sound natural and other parts that you're like, oh, they're, they're definitely reading a script here. I think the the listeners that have listened to Bankless for a long time, and who are also probably the ones listening to this right now, are going to definitely be able to notice that, like, oh, that mannerism was different. Yeah. Um, but I think the people that, like, you know, do, like, listen to Bankless while also doing other things or just more recent listeners of Bankless are, like, they're totally going to forget that this is actually not Polenia and this is actually David and Ryan also reading a script. Yeah, that's a fair take, too. Sorry, yeah. my dog's barking in the background, but this is a debrief. So this is, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're showing everything here. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's get to some of the content. I think uh-huh. there was, um, let's start with the one thing that really surprised you or the one thing that you learned. And I, I can kind of guess what it is. Yeah. I had sort of knew this was Polenia's idea going to the episode, but we've never had a form to talk about it. Neither you nor I, nor mm-hmm. with Polenia uh, directly. So what kind of did you learn? What was the main thing you learned from this episode? Yeah, I think it it was just a re a reconstruction of what it means to for Ethereum to have a, a roll up centric roadmap, and also like I've heard this phrase, it hasn't I haven't heard this phrase recently, but a while ago was that Ethereum's idea of this was to um, elevate roll ups to a first class citizen. I kind of underestimated what that meant, um, and so uh, you know going back to that phrase at first principles or just like, you know, taking it with fresh eyes, it really does mean what, what Polenia was talking about, where the Ethereum blockchain charges the most marginal amount of fees possible to rollups, to layer twos. And so like literally reduce, like how, how minimum can Ethereum extract from its layer twos while also providing maximum security? And like that, I never really had considered the rollup centric roadmap of Ethereum, meaning that, I kind of just thought of it like, oh yeah, like roll-up centric overwrap. We're just going to say tell people to go onto the roll-ups, and then that's going to be that. Not thinking that like, no, we are actually going to um, if the, the Ethereum pro- protocol is going to become opinionated, and that uh, roll roll-ups are going to be the most important things that you can use the Ethereum protocol for, and we're going to instantiate that belief in um, having only marginal costs for roll-ups, and like that's something that's a big takeaway for me. Yeah, what I think of is so we've often compared um, Ethereum, you know, like another layer ones, to be sort of like you know they're they're almost like nation state government type structures, right? Mm-hmm. And so the transaction fees that are incurred for doing various things in in kind of the you know on the layer one on Ethereum, these are effectively taxes. And one thing a kind of a nation state government protocol can do in the same way that Ethereum can do is choose to subsidize certain activities over others or like choose to kind of like, I guess, invest in the development of some types of transactions over others. Right. And so like nation state has tons of examples of this, of like, we're going to tax this product higher than that product, like cigarettes, because we want our citizens to be happy. So they should be, you know, taxed more than um, like various food goods, which maybe in some jurisdictions don't have a tax altogether. Anyway, all that to say, what Ethereum is doing with EIP 4844 is essentially 
massively subsidizing um, roll-up costs, right? And like by that, I mean, they're kind of making it incredibly cheap for roll-ups to use Ethereum to store data. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that at the expense of tax revenue, right. I suppose, at least in the short run, because they're effectively like making all of this data available to rollups and like the fees that Arbitrum are going to pay and Optimism are going to pay and all of the ZK EVMs in the short run are going to fall off a cliff massively. And they weren't actually that big to begin with on Ethereum, right? And so that's that's kind of the conversation that we had with Polenia, which is what are the implications of this? Right. Uh, because previously, I think in the early stages of um, us trying to map out the future here, we had assumed that obviously layer twos would be the big block space purchaser. They would use a ton of the the you know the transaction block space on Ethereum, pay for a ton of the taxes. Well, when you consider a post EIP 4844 world, well, that's no longer true because the federal government protocol has just issued a massive subsidy, like basically for, for almost like free transaction space for all of these rollups, encouraging them to scale at that level. And there's not going to be the transaction fee revenue. And so I think the most interesting line of conversation around this, and this gets into like quickly kind of advanced topics, but what I'm super interested in is, okay, what does the world look like when that's the case. And Polenia's conclusion was, well, if um, rollups get a thousand X cheaper, you know, then um, ETH, you know, we're not gonna burn as much ETH. They're not gonna be spending as much on Ethereum. And that makes Ethereum worth less as a productive asset. But the new users that rollups uh, bring on board and the use of ETH as money inside of these uh, ecosystems uh, and the fact that all of this, these these new users and use cases are extra. They would not have been right. uh, in play on right. the Ethereum mainnet anyway. Right. Right. All of these factors contribute to being like net additive. Sure. And like, no way are uh, layer twos parasitic to Ethereum. They're completely net accretive and probably net accretive in a massive way. It's just kind of a, a different reframing of how we've thought right. about this. Yeah, I think it's a re. I'm reconstructing where value flows into ETH. So, like when I first read this, I was like, hmm, like I'm, Ether's not going to get burned as much, man. <laughs> and the L2's not going to burn the Ether. But then, like you know, rethinking is to. Is to and it, it, one of the beautiful things about just the Ethereum smart contract model is that it, unlike, very much unlike Bitcoin, the I the instantiation of a contract, smart contract system into a blockchain is a statement of the currency of the chain is not meant to capture all the value. They're supposed to be captured value in the application layer. Rollups are applications. Rollups exist in the application layer, and those are also designed to capture their own value. And so there will be a more bigger blossoming of of total rollup possibility when there's less and less captured, uh, less and less of that rollup value captured by Ether. And so like, but where does Ether ultimately capture value? It's, it's like when there is MEV on a layer two, that fundamentally implies that there's also going to be MEV on a layer one. So it's not the like layer two block space consumption that ultimately feeds into layer one block space consumption by rollups consuming data. It's layer two MEV is eventually going to be also be MEV on the layer one. And so like when somebody makes a trade on Uniswap on Optimism, eventually that actually turns into a transaction on layer one 
because you have to there there's an arbitrage opportunity because of the those two uniswap pools versus layer one versus layer two are offset and so when when there's mev on layer two there, there's ultimately layer uh, mev on layer one and then that also creates mev on another layer two because there's also optimism on arbitrum right and but and so this is less to do with the actual block space consumption of layer twos and more of just like the layer one turns into this um fairy across all layer twos, which is how we've been explaining it. Do you it. mean like a settlement layer? So yeah, perhaps a settlement layer. <laughs> but I think also what I've taken away from, from that application, from that conversation with Polinia is that, yes, all that's going to happen. It's going to be less about block space consumption and more about MEV, but also that certain DeFi blue chips will always remain on the layer one. And so we, we've said before, you know, get off layer one, go to layer twos. Layer ones are for robots. I'm actually going to pull retract that a little bit and say, well, no, like, and exactly what Polenia said is like, well, if you have a significant amount of ether, those layer one gases aren't actually going to eat into you too much. And so you're going to have like the district of Columbia, which is like this epicenter, the political epicenter of the United States is actually like Manhattan. Plenty of people are actually going to stay there and it's going to be like all the best most powerful DeFi apps on the layer one. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the reason we say get off layer layer one is because we're talking to kind of the, the, the new, average the newcomers, gen, right? So like, uh, but layer one will definitely not just be robots and apps and roll-ups. Um, it'll also be whales. And I think that's what Polenia was like. We're, we're not going to see a, a long-term decrease in um, block space purchasing and um, you know on on layer one, I don't think I don't think that's ever going down due to rollups. Right. But like, what about what about kind of the, the the second line of thought and your second question of like, what happens if a rollup gets too big for its britches and starts to um, like it's? I, I almost thought about sort of like I, I, again in kind of this federation of nation states. You take you take something like. Um, you know, the US, which is a tighter federation than the EU because it has kind of a similar taxing structure, uh, monetary policy, n not as many sovereigns. But you take something like the US and let's say California, they're like, um, uh, we produce more GDP than all than the rest, the rest of, these of you combined. States yeah. combined. Right. And like, we're actually the 10th largest economy in the world. And we think we can launch the California dollar right. and do a lot better. Yeah, and not have we, to pay for your debt. Like, and and by the way, with all of kind of the conflict in politics, um, right. you know, this is not a likely scenario. But like, you right. know, you can almost yeah, see can murmurs that. of it. And Texas yeah. is talking about this. And so, like, what if they decide to become their own, you know, sovereign, right? And of course, in in the um, in the nation state world, because we're dealing with guns and soldiers and armies and such, that would probably cause a kinetic conflict of some sort. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in the Ethereum world, of course, in the, the crypto world, you, you could do that at any time. That's the beauty of it. You can secede. If the network is not delivering value for you, go create your own sovereign. So what do you think about that? Do you think that's likely? Right. And you asked Plenia that directly, I think. But do, did you get an answer that's satisfied? Yeah, I think... The difference between the California like seceding because it's got the biggest network versus and the layer two doing that on Ethereum is that like there is actually like physical constraints. And so like California will always have the GDP because it's got like the farmland and you know it's got all the avocados and everyone wants to buy the avocados and avocados aren't moving anytime soon. But DeFi apps are infinitely like reproducible. And so if there's a reason why one particular layer two is that gargantuan, it's the layer one could just copy all of those reasons. 
because it's open source and like, oh, it, it's what, what DeFi app is making that layer two so big? Let's put it on the layer one. And so like the DeFi apps that make a layer two big aren't necessarily beholden to the layer two itself. And so I would see the DeFi apps moving to the layer one before the layer two got so incredibly big. And so I kind of think that this is the, it, the game is that like the DeFi apps can secede from the layer twos before the layer twos can secede from the layer one. And but what I mean secede is that the layer, the DeFi apps like, oh, we're, we're like big and mighty. We're the biggest block space consumer on this layer two. You know what? Let's go to Manhattan. Let's, let's buy apartment. Let's buy some land in Manhattan and set up shop there because we're clearly in demand. And so if this layer two has enough demand for us, let's go, let's go like, see if we can go make it in New York. Uh, let's well, go do, there. Do you think some of them just decide to set up their own layer twos as well? And that's another answer. If you if mm. you if you're a DeFi app that you know gets to be big right. enough to now, start now we talk about like the app power. chain model. Well, yeah, and like the the idea that um, what is the actual resource that all of these chains are fighting for? At the end of the day, I think it's um, liquidity. Yeah. And like so, if you're a, a Uniswap, maybe you can command a great deal of liquidity. And like, what are the power dynamics? I mean, who's the dog and who's the tail here, right? And like, so if Uniswap decided to launch its own layer two, rather than like, you know, you kind of wonder how that that could, I, I guess one thing that's interesting here, David, is like, and what I love about this is there's this balance of power between all of these parties and entities and each of them have the option to like opt out or secede, yeah. including down to the to the individual right. where like I can leave Ethereum very easily and go yeah. to some other chain if it starts sucking or I can leave right. Optimism and go to Arbitrum if it starts like really sucking. Yeah. And I don't have that option uh, really in my, the nation state world, you know, like it's not right. easy to, to hop right. from one citizenship to another. That, that's a really good take that individuals can freely leave their DeFi apps. DeFi apps can freely leave their layer twos. Layer twos can freely leave their layer ones. Uh, and we can all freely leave. Everyone's free to go. Uh, and so when that's like the paradigm, you would think that how the things develop would be their natural settle, place of settlement. Right. As in like the things will develop in the ways that they should, because if they start developing ways that they shouldn't, then people just leave. And so it's this very, like, we've used this phrase, it's been a while, chaotic organization. Yeah. Like things just fall into place. And it's because of that, you know, free exit paradigm. I think uh, Amin Soleimani was the per first, first person to put this into my brain when he, and when he was making Moloch DAO, he was like, all right, how do I make sure that the big people don't bully the, the little people? And he, it, it was a simple, all governance proposals take seven days to implement, giving people seven days to opt time out. To, to opt out, right? Uh, and so this, this highly liquid freedom to opt out, like that's the thing that makes web two apps suck. Can't opt yep. out of Facebook, can't opt out of Twitter, can't take my own social graph with me. Um, but that's the thing that makes web three so awesome is like, we're free to opt out. Yeah. And I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful design and I think it's a very like kind of, um, yeah, freeing design, but back to the kind of the chaotic organization that this is really the reason I'm, I'm pretty bullish on Ethereum's roadmap is because I think when you are considering um, starting a, a bakery, you know, in, in your jurisdiction, you want to open a business, something like this. Uh, are you going to go to the effort to create your own like sovereign nation state in order to open up your bakery? Right. 
Why? How big is your bakery, bro? Right. Like when you can just pay a small tax right. and you get to open it up somewhere, you know, in the middle of Brooklyn and you get instant customers, instant network effects, and the rent collection is just a small tax, right? You still have the option to go like, I don't know, create your own nation state bakery, bakery go to that effort. Nation. But like the economics aren't going to work out for you. And this is also the reason why um, layer twos make so much sense to me. From, like there's not enough talk about as all of the talk is about transactions per second and monolithic versus modular. And some of that's important, like technically, but the raw economics, David of like, oh, you're telling me I don't have to issue any of my tokens, right? Like no security budget. Mm-hmm. And I get all of Ethereum security. Okay. Sign me up for that. And then you get a world where Ethereum is like post EIP 4844 basically dropping this massive subsidy for all of my uh, block space needs and reducing tax from like dollars to like micro pennies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Why, why on earth would I do any, why on earth would I build my own layer one unless it's for some kind of short-term narrative pump, right? Where like, I think there's some, va- so I just think the, the raw economics right. make it, very favorable toward an Ethereum and roll-up uh, roadmap. It's, it's going to be hard for um, alternative layer ones to compete against that. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, very happy that we did this Plenia episode right before we recorded our uh, Cosmos episode. Not right before, we still have a couple of weeks, but we are, it is in the books. Uh, I feel very much more informed about just the relevant discussions to, to be had with uh, Sonny and Zaki. Who, uh, that's who we're having, Sonny and Zaki. Sonny and Zaki, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do, 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 I think that's the other juxtaposition of the 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 other take here is is still it's just kind of like Olaf's it's all chains and bridges versus right. you know kind of the bankless Ethereum thesis where it's just like we have settlement layers and money. Right. And those are the two things. Those are the two right. differences. Right. Um, anything else here? I had a great time. It was a ton of fun. It was great. We went deep. I hope this isn't too deep for people. You think this is still accessible? I don't think it's, I don't think it's too deep for people. I think we did well, a great job. I enjoyed it. Guys, I, mean, I, I would always too. say that. I think we did a great job. Uh, <laughs> yes. Bankless listeners know this. <laughs> David is <laughs> bullish Hopefully. Bankless above all things. <laughs> Guys, thanks for being a Bankless Premium member. I hope you enjoyed the debrief. Cheers.